Uh, all right, what is this? This is episode 11 of House of Live. Oh, I'm rolling. Rolling down the river. Yeah, and we're here, we're here with William Coupon, a uh, photographer here. In, we're, 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 at, we're up north of Santa Fe right now. What's this town called? We are in the village of Powaki, which is actually part of and in the valley of Nambe. Nambe being about 15 miles north of Santa Fe. It's beautiful up here. It's nice, yeah. And uh, I'm holding in my hands uh, the only copy, I think, that exists in the Western Hemisphere of, uh, of your book right now. Untrue. <laughs> Untrue. No, there are 18 books I sent out. Oh, so th- there's other ones in America yeah. that you sent out. New York Times. And... Uh, William Coupon Portraits, this is coming out when? Release date is September 25th. Are you excited? Is this like uh, the end of a thing, or are you just exhausted from working on the book for a while? It's hard for me. I, I don't know who did the pictures, but I, I, it's hard for, me, hard for me to... No, I mean, when you look back, you just, uh, in some disbelief that that in, in the days of, in the obsessive days of, the glory days of uh, photography, of analog photography, Yeah. Um, you know, it was a little different climate than it is today. And you know, just when looking back, I, I was just—it was just a very frenetic, um, obsessive, the frenetic days. The photography, the musical. <laughs> you start. You started in the late seventies. Uh, the very late seventies, yeah. But you didn't study photography in college, or did you? No, I didn't study. What did you study? I studied. Advertising. Did you really? Yeah. Did you actually think you were going to go into advertising? I did go into advertising. For how long? Three three or four years after college. So this is like 75 through 78, yeah. something like mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. When, you were, when I was born, you were in New York uh, working in advertising. I was. Doing graphical stuff or writing stuff? Or I was uh, assistant to two women producers. So I did casting and had to make sure contracts were signed. Assistant production. It was production assistant type thing. Did you enjoy it? Um, I In the beginning, I found it kind of fascinating. Worked on Ragu and Swiss Air, um, Q-Tex nail polish. So how... And, and I did, but I, just, I got bored. And I was actually wanted to be a musician. So at night, I'd play guitar. I'd play guitar at night. In bands or solo kind of thing? No, just, yeah, with friends and stuff. Just, not you know, nothing serious. And I, you know, recognized early on that I wasn't wasn't uh, um, equipped to do that. And you thought you were going to become Crosby, Stills, and Nash kind of thing? I thought I was going to become Peter Frampton. Oh, yeah. But I later became... Um, you didn't come alive? <laughs> no, I, I went from... Uh, who's the guy in... Um, no, I went, from, I went from Peter Frampton to Wally Shawn <laughs> in one lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> But but had you been shooting at all when you were in college and stuff? No, you... no, never really. So so when did you pick up a camera? When did that happen? Um, well, it was towards the end of my tenure at the ad agency on Madison Avenue that I decided, you know, there's one pl- one thing I know I can always do. I know I can be a photographer. No fantasies attached. Why is that? I have no idea. Had you been on shoots and stuff and seen the no, process? No, not, 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 not really. But I did meet a guy in the advertising days. I met a guy, an art director, was friends with a, with a photographer. 
His name was Larry Robbins. Okay. Remember that name at all? No. He was big then. And I remember I remember them saying he's ma- he's making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it blew your mind because you were making ten thousand dollars a year. Yeah. I was in a tiny little studio apartment. And I just thought, this is really pretty cool. This photography thing is pretty neat. Um and I wasn't really that aware of the of the classics, of the classic people. Um became aware of them soon afterwards, you know, just the Avedons, the Pens, the um and um Actually, um, so yeah, my my dad got me a camera. Really, what kind? He got me a a, a, a Nikromat. Oh, okay. So they're and a little thirty-five millimeter. Guy. Yeah, and I and I put a little flash on it, and I went to Studio Fifty Four, and I also at the same time bought an old Rolly and did some street pictures with that twin lens. Yeah. When you were going into Studio 54 with a camera, back in that day, nowadays, if you try to walk into a club with a camera, people would be like, oh, get out. what are you doing with that camera? What are you taking in? You know, that kind of thing. Did they have a problem with it back then? Or were they, it was, hey, more publicity, like bring a camera in and shoot. I was cocky. I was a cocky motherfucker. I was a cocky little kid. I went and, I went and, and dropped off some pictures at Truman Capote's house and said, let's do a book together. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, I don't. you know, there are things I did in my life that I, and that being one of them that I, Still to this day, I can't believe how, how, how I didn't have boundaries. I just, you know, Schumann Capote would be a good person to do a book with. Yeah, he's going to fifty four, and I had photographed him there. And I guess I'm not sure if it was because of that, but I, I, they threw me out of the club. I was only there for three weeks, and I befriended the doorman, and he let me in. And that, after the third, the third, the end of the third week, I was it was raining, and they and Steve Bell had me thrown out. He was the owner. And they threw me out in the rain with my camera flying across the gravel, the the uh, pavement. And that was, and I knew that was it. I never going back there. Did any of those crazy things you did work? The dropping pictures off at Truman Capote's house. Did any of that stuff come through? That didn't work at all. I wouldn't imagine. In that, in that case. Yeah, yeah. He was. I think he was pretty much. He was. He was a raging alcoholic, and I yeah. think he was at the time. I don't know what he was. I don't even think he even survived much, much, much longer than that period. Yeah, but then you. you so you were shooting with the Nikkor, the little Nikon. You're shooting. You got a roller. You're shooting some street stuff. Where did the portraits start? I mean, obviously they start a little bit in Studio Well, 54. what happened was the the, the portraits really started at Studio 54 because I, I had a little flash on the camera and they, they became like portraits. And um, then I took the Roly and I bought a piece of Belgian linen and um, started having people come over to my house and doing medium shot portraits with the with this backdrop and I had this old light this old bal car um and then I wound up um developing a, you know a, a signature style with that I didn't I couldn't afford an easel so the the paper bowed when I took it out of the sheets I used to use Portriga rapid paper yeah warm tone paper take it out of the take it out of the box or the you know the envelope that it was in paper naturally curled up so the paper closest to the enlarging lens was was shorter so it had this tv 
kind of had this TV Boeing effect. I've noticed that on some of the prints. I was going to ask you about that. That's yeah, I mean, I, you know, that was like completely my trademark at the time. Interesting. It but was it was just, just a flaw of the way that you were working. That- it was just because I had no money. Yeah. And I was yeah. living, well, at that time I was actually sharing a loft. And I would take my equipment down to a place called the Mud Club. And then I, so that's where I started photographing for real, the portraits. Um, and then I, then, then I had a job. I, I went to New York Magazine and got, got them to um, give me a job to photograph the New York Yankees, who had just won the World Series the year before. So in 79, in spring training, I went down with the backdrop. And my idea was to do it like a kid's a kid's bedroom and have baseballs and bats on the backdrop. I saw that. I was I, I, I was going to ask if that was your idea or their idea. That was mine. Okay. Um, now, how did you talk them into letting you do the Did you pitch it as, hey, I'll go down to spring training and I'll shoot the Yankees? Or was it, I want to shoot for you guys? And they said, well, we got this gig going down to well, shoot the Yankees. It wasn't, it wasn't easy because they told me, they said, okay, we'll do it. But you, you got you to gotta go to the Yankees and get their approval. So at the time, the only thing I had were mud punk pictures at the Mud Club and a series I did in Haiti. So here I am trying to get the Yankees, and I have these pictures of Haiti and the Mud Club punkers. And it was, uh, but they, they said, okay. But when I did go down there, they refused. It was hard for me. I was lucky I had this. Um, Wait, they said, okay, you get down there, and they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to do this. Yeah, they were not very helpful at all. It, it was, I, I, I was really offended. I mean, it just made me realize how, Mafioso, the, these baseball organizations could be, especially the Yankees. They're like it. It was uh, power, of course. power trippy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it a matter of they didn't want their players to look bad, or was it that kind of thing, or was it just sort of just power BS? I think it was just that I probably I probably appeared like a real like very green and novice. Yeah. Oh, they're sending you out. Why aren't they sending out some big shot? Maybe I don't know. I, it was just. They'd won the World Series. There were, you know, there yeah, were a lot of press people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I brought with me this very cute black girl. Okay. And she she befriended Willie Randolph, the second baseman. Yeah, yeah. And when I was told I was not going to get these pictures, at the very end, she gets Willie to come over and sit. And I did Polaroids, and I shot black and white. And there, I, didn't, I didn't really shoot chromes because I didn't really... It was just way in the beginning, early days. So I I shot with Panatomic X black and white and also shot SX-70s. Right. So I gave them... Uh, the Polaroids? Yeah, I gave them each Polaroid, and Willie went and got somebody else. And before you knew it, I did shoot the whole team. The last person I shot was was Reggie Jackson. The big, the big guy at the time. The big guy. I got... I hand out two things, a hard time and bubble gum, and I'm fresh out of bubble gum. That was the comment that he made. But we were done, and then we went down to Key West and partied, partied like crazy. With the team? Or you no, and the girl? My, yeah. With, I had two, <laughs> two people that were with me. So you, that must have been crazy exciting, right? Like big thing out of sort of... Yeah, know, it was kind of cool to get that done because it, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And just lucky I brought Angela down. Angela's the girl in the picture in the... In the book with oh, okay. uh, the glasses. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you know, uh, it, were the was the magazine happy? Yeah, I did yeah. like six pages. Nice portfolio. Yeah. So when you started doing the backdrop stuff, I mean, obviously people are comparing. People in since then have you know said, oh, it's this old master style. 
it's uh it's you know it's rembrandt is this that, and the other thing were you trying to do that in the first place or was it just sort of you found the same thing as them um i think it was um no i was really it was was it just a simplicity thing of like well i've got one light and i'm gonna make it look good with one light over on the side yeah yeah it was more simple just keep it Keep all the angles simple. Keep it squared. And I, you know, I had built a darkroom in my loft, so I would, I would, I'd spend a lot of hours in the darkroom. Yeah, um, and it was fun. You know, I put on music and and print away. And did you have to do a lot of not a lot of manipulation in your photos at all? No, but I did. St- <clears throat> I was using these. I was diffusing stuff with a nylon stocking. Oh, you were. Which I later showed Robert Maplethorpe, and he started using it after really? that. Well, over the enlarging lens. Yeah, under yeah. under the under, lens. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't miss the days of being in the darkroom particularly, but I mean now it's all digital, so it's it's a different yeah different thing. You know, decades later. But the but the but the Yankee stuff leads to more work. The Yankee stuff was right in the middle of when I decided I wasn't going to be going down to the mud club at midnight and getting up at at noon every day. Yeah. Like most of my other peers at the time were doing. I, I was I was going to make a go of it. So I went to, um, I did go to New York Magazine, and, and there was a guy there, J.C. Suarez, who used to be an art director at the, at the New York Times, and he, he was this very eccentric, uh, not very eccentric, he was, he was a very um what's the word? Um no boundaried oh, okay. Egyptian Jewish guy, very aggressive. And um he he was like a character from an old movie. He was burly, beard, smoked cigars. It was just, it was just his whole stereotype was like very uh it was like very aloof. But he liked you. But he liked me, and he did give me a few jobs, and um, and then I decided I'd go national. So I went, I went to Esquire, and and I was getting in Life magazine, and, and just kind of cold meetings. Yeah, but you know, in those days, you could do that just, kind of thing. In those days, you could do it. Yeah, there were a number of magazines, and I had a list. I had a, a list of ten that I said, "I'll listen. I just need to work for them." And there were there weren't as many photographers around. There were a lot more magazines. Magazines were a bigger thing. I'm not sure if there were there were still a lot of photographers, but I think I was eager. Yeah, and um, and I had that style, that portrait thing, so it was it, that, to develop. And I think people um, took to that because it made it made that simplistic kind of portraiture was lent itself very well to covers. Yeah, sure. So I started left a getting, lot of room for a copy. So I started getting record covers, CBS yeah. Records or Atlantic Records, Bette Midler and sure. Daryl Hall, yeah. uh, Luther Vandross. Yeah. And then I started doing a lot of jazz people for Blue Note and, and various um, jazz labels, Electra. Yeah. And this was this guy, Bruce Lundvall. Is that name ringing? I don't about? know that name. He was big, big jazz. Uh, he was the head of Electra Blue, I guess Blue Note Records. So it was it was right at the beginning though that you decided, oh, I'm just going to go buy a bunch of linen and paint all over them and see what they look like. Yeah, 
And you made a, a bunch, or, or I made about few? ten. I probably have about. I, I, you know, even when I moved out, having just moved here recently, I, I tossed out a couple of them that were just ones I'd never use. There's stuff I have here that I would never even use. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it came down to two or three of them that were like came the down ones to you two. used. Yeah, one one big one I liked, but it was hard to travel with it. So I, I thought now if I cut a third, if I cut it by a third, yeah, and left two thirds as being one big piece, and the other third. I can just use that one third, and if It'll I want to use one, yeah, and if I want to use the full length sweep, I would put the small piece cut on the floor, okay, and I'd throw it and I'd sweep it around the other larger piece. Did that work? And it worked. And then I started experimenting with colored gels, and sometimes that worked, and sometimes it didn't. Yeah, I mean, it's a little it gets a little too diffused. That you know, I just like playing with color. And it was a, it was kind of an '80s thing. I remember shooting Paul Simon that way, and it was just—I don't think I got more than—I don't think I got any good shots of that guy on the colored gels. It was really when I when I stopped using the gels on him that I got a couple of good shots. I did shot Talking Heads for publicity. I shot Dire Straits, um, a bunch of bands. I thought it'd be kind of cool to get these long exposures and have these gels be the color. Sort of a smeary kind of thing. On yeah, yeah. And it, it only works. It only works so far. Some people really hated it. Well, it's you know what it is. It's unpredictable, right? So you don't know exactly what you're going exactly, to get until you yeah. get it back. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. it's also for publicity. People want a more succinct image. Yeah, they don't yeah. want it to be that uh, that um, colored or um, diffused. Sure. Let's say. And do you think that over those first few years when you were doing more experimenting, that you kind of Whittled it, whittled it down to okay. I'm starting to use these couple backdrops a lot. I'm using this kind of lighting a lot, and then it that became the thing that you did a lot for a, a do good. 10, well, I wound up just not. I wound up just dropping. Uh, in, well, I worked. I started working for Issey Miyake. Yep. Um, the fashion director at New York Magazine. Her name was Anna Wintour. Sure. And she said, "I got a client for you. I think you'd be good for them." So she hooked me up with Issey. And I worked for Issei for 10 years. And we got a portrait a month. So I did, I did like 100 portraits for him. A lot of work. A lot of people in the book are from Issei. Interesting. Um, and, and for those, I, you know, I was given kind of free reign. I could, do, I could do a very straight, succinct, very simplistic, medium shot portrait with one light. Or I could, in the same session, to do clothes, I would... I would do full length motion. I'd, I'd say just you know just move around. Yeah, yeah. Just keep moving, keep moving. And I have those gels, and those would be. And then we'd pick. Yeah. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Whether it be Yannick Noah or uh, you know Keith Haring. Yeah. You know sometimes they pick the ones that are motion with the gels, and sometimes they pick the straight porturey ones. Yeah. But I was able to get. We had to solicit people, so it was, you know, it's funny. I like baseball, so I would, I remember getting Don Mattingly and Dave Winfield and Daryl Strawberry to sit for me. And I still have a Don Mattingly Donruss uh, rookie card from 1984. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah, Evansville, Indiana. Yeah. The, but you, you used to you used to use an umbrella at one point, right? You moved to a softbox, but the early ones yeah, you so could I see would a round just shoot, thing. In shoot there. through it. I didn't bounce anything. I just shot. Oh, right you shoot through. through. Okay. Is yeah. there a reason why you switched to using the the like smaller softbox kind of thing? 
Was there a point at which you were like, oh, soft boxes are the cool new thing, so let's start using those? I don't remember that transition, but the effect was exactly the same. I was just going through a diffused, you know, white. Yeah. You're basically creating a portable window. Yeah. I mean, everything was simple, but everything had to work, and everything had to be in place, and everything had to be mathematically correct so that I could just let myself be with the person and not yeah. really not really um, spend a lot of time on technical elements. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people, photographer people, would look at your work and think that you were, and I don't mean this as any sort of negative, that you were a more technical photographer than you are. Like you have your thing that you do. It's very clean. You're very good at it. But you're not the kind of person who's uh, uh, metering down to a tenth of a stop. And you know what I mean? Doing that kind no, of I'm stuff. No, I'm not at all. Um, yeah. Um, fi- uh, infinitely yeah. Pe- uh, pe- particular. When when you started shooting chromes, was was getting exposure right on a hard? Well, in the beginning, I didn't know how to filter. I didn't have any training, so I all the stuff was all over the place. Okay. So I did this poster in 1985. Yeah. And the poster is all over the place. It's got you know the pictures look either the backdrop looks green or it looks brown or it looks yellow, but it, and the poster it was a nice mosaic. It worked really well on the gestalt of the poster. Right. But, but each individual really picture looked someone they were really off, and I then I later learned, hey, I better start being able to control the, this ectochrome EPR120. Yeah. How'd you decide on ectochrome? Why ectochrome? I'll tell you, the only, the, I had one, one thing in mind, and it was the same thing with whether it was the black and white or the color. It was the speed of the film. I had to have slow, slow speed. 64. 64, or in the case of the black and white, 32. Yeah. So uh, that way I get the tightest grain, and I get the most detail. The uh, uh, they made a Kodachrome sixty four back then, didn't they? Yeah, but it was thirty five. Oh, they didn't make a one. No, they didn't make any one twenty. Oh, right, of course, yeah. So, was, so then you're stuck in the Ectochrome. So, so you do you? So I learned of, how to filter. I had I had to learn how to filter. Yeah, eventually. And you ended up warming stuff up a lot too. You like the that beginning? Look. I shot uh, Bette Midler. I didn't know how to filter at all, and I was, the only film I liked was this that I didn't have to worry about filtering was Agfa. Agfa made this really nice warm tone film. And I remember schlepping out in the subway to go to the only lab that Agfa had and getting my film process there. Yeah. And they came back in each individually, um, you know, in in mounts. They're all mounted. Like, not, there wasn't strip, like, you know, like it was in in the Ectochrome labs. They were mounting 120 slides? Mounting, yeah. Okay. So I, I shot Bette Miller that way. That was my first color job. Um, you must have been nervous walking in with color film for the first time on a thing that you knew you were trying to get paid for. You know, it was, you, you don't sound like you, you weren't nervous. It, let's just say it worked. <laughs> I mean, because if it didn't, if it hadn't worked, it would have been kind of disastrous. Yeah, yeah. But the, uh, how about posing? You like to pose people. You try to find ways. I to get probably like to pose people more than I like to admit. I usually think, oh, just let them be, you know? Yeah. Like be a fly on the wall. But not everyone actually sits in an interesting way. Yeah, I mean, I've had to position people uh, like Yasser Arafat or I know pre- it, sometimes the presidents. But, you know, most people that are celebrities have a pre- predisposed uh, positioning that they go to automatically. They've had their picture taken. They know Yeah, and they're, f- they're more familiar with it. It's uh, I I notice a lot of times if I'm taking somebody's picture and I'm doing what you're saying, the sort of fly on the wall thing, where 
you take pictures, take pictures. Okay, we're all done. And then you sit back and they sit back and they sit down into it's then that they sit into a natural position, you know, like after yeah, the shoot's right, over. Yeah. And then you go, hold on, don't move. <laughs> Get another roll. Of yeah, but the, the, yeah, but the physics of it are that the picture is a separate entity from the reality. Yeah. So that relaxed element at the end may not even be, may not be a good picture. Yeah. You sure. want someone to be kind of during the headlighty. You want someone to be like on, you know, a bit, a bit. You want someone to be engaged. Right. So in my case, you know, the eyes, the eyes are key. Yeah. They have to be looking at me. Did, uh, I know that, um, uh, uh, sorry, I was looking at this. Uh, certain people, I, I know famously Penn would say, listen, we're going to, we're going to take pictures now. This is a serious thing. We're not sitting here and chatting up. We're going into the studio. We're going to make pictures. You and me are going to, you know, have this dance. Is that the did, was it serious when you were shooting, or or was it? Were you trying to keep them engaged by talking to them too? No, I didn't like the I didn't like the banter. I was like just getting straight to the picture. Mostly because a lot of the people you shot were. I don't like it to be. Of, I don't like taking pictures that are conversational. Yeah, and they didn't have a lot of time. A lot of these people too. Well, wasn't that as much as just. When someone's talking, you know, you're not, it's just a whole different, you want them to like, hey, <laughs> shut up and let's just get the, here's get the, the picture. Let, let, I would I always say chin down, lips together. You know, that was like, <laughs> I used to always say that to people. Your mantra. Yeah, pretty much. You know, because they would be like much more, um, I don't know, stoic. I don't know what the word is. Um, they would be engaged in a way that was pensive. Yeah. People always want to put their chin up, huh? I'm always telling people to pull their chin down too. Well, it's more arrogant. Yeah, especially with some of these guys you shot. Uh, yeah, you. I mean, look, you shot everybody. I'm not going to go through names and stuff. But do you find any commonalities between the kind of people you shot? I mean, some somebody who's a nobody to somebody who's the president of the United States. Is there are there things that everyone kind of does, or or is there a real distinction between sort of the importance of a person and the way they they feel when they're sitting in front of your camera? No, I think the the ethnic ethnographic work and the people that are less familiar with photography and cameras and posing and stuff uh, are are very different than the ones that are predisposed because to. they're more honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not trying to put on a show. They're not. Yeah, they to put don't, on and, they're, and they're kind of in a way they're quizzical. They're yeah. They're, there's a certain. Um, innate insecurity about it. I mean, they don't know where, they don't really quite know what's going on. Yeah. And I do give them Polaroids. So at least they see afterwards. And a lot of them, they chuckle and, and it's, you know, yeah, that stuff when you were traveling around shooting, shooting people all over the world, mm-hmm. how do you get them to do it? What do you say? Do you set up and then try to pull people in? Or do you say, Hey, listen, I'd love to take a picture of you and then set up and try to pull. It depends. Know. Sometimes I'd have to like spend a couple, two, three days just talking to people and say, I'm going to be coming by and, in a few days, and you know we're gonna set this stuff up, and I maybe I have an assistant and who who could help with the language, perhaps. Right. So you know, but you but you were you were schmoozing them before. Often, I would have to make myself known to gain some trust. You know, otherwise, you're just some interloper coming in to take. Yeah, the I mean, what helps is when you get the first few pictures that people see, and they and they and they know what they're gonna get. Yeah. Then they want to be part of it. I mean, unfortunately, in some of the cases, I had to pay people, which I thought, 
Well, I mean, I understand, but it still kind of cheapens it from my perspective. Were they? Was it? Was it? Oh, we want money, or was it? No, we don't want to do it. And then you say, "How about?" Oh, I think twenty bucks. Some people just wanted the money. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, I have to be honest. Yeah, but they make good pictures. Pictures. Yeah, but you, know, you can't like you can't go to a place. You can't go to rural Mexico or Haiti and something and say, "Hey, you know, I'm doing this for a museum," because their immediate perception of a museum is death. Sure. So it's like, hey, I don't want to be in a museum. That means I'm dead. And oh, then, oh, they they didn't like the idea of being in a museum. Yeah, so I had to kind of change that tune. Even if you were shooting for a museum. Well, that was my goal to have museum quality work, but you know, they didn't they didn't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. You you seem to be more proud of the ethno stuff than you are the celebrity stuff. I never was into celebrities. That was a necessary it was just, evil. It was necessary to get work and pay your rent in New York. Most people come to you or you go to them for that kind of stuff, for the editorial No, stuff. the magazines will call me and say, we've got to shoot for you. Yeah. But, I mean, the, 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 you'd set up a studio or you'd have a, your studio and they come to you? or um, I guess well, my question I, is, is, is a home, home team advantage a good thing? In New York, I had my own studio. Yeah. It was on Lafayette in spring. And then uh, and when my travels, I could just, everything was portable. Yeah. So even if I had to shoot in San Francisco... Or Houston, or wherever it was. It could be identical looking yeah. to anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing about your your look that you could do that kind of stuff. It was it it was definitely. I wasn't the only one that could think that that was thinking that way. Sure, no, of course not. But you know, it certainly helped me be mobile. Yeah. Uh, you, at some point, you you switched over to the the that bigger rolly, the six thousand six, same same size negative, of course, but but not a twin lens like you were using before. Well, I went from the I went from the two and a quarter in the very beginning to a Hasselblad, a five that five hundred. Yeah, the one you know the crank. Yeah, five hundred one. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and then I didn't. I never liked it because it was very difficult with those inserts. I found you, you need an assistant. You need to be prepped. You mean loading the film? Yeah, and those six thousand six Rollies were ridiculously simple. Really? Okay, I never were, actually played with one. You didn't really need an assistant, to be honest. With you. Okay. You just you, you you had a few inserts that were ready to go. You just Threw them in, right, and it just kind of worked. The Hasselblad, you had to get it under the flap and the whole. It was oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that was just an ease of use kind of thing. Plus, that one's motorized, right? So it's fast. I never used shoot. motors. Oh, okay. You were you were. I was always using. Yeah, I used manual like that. Yeah, and always always ignore you. You like the normal answer? Why is it? Because it feels like the distance you are from the subject. Is yeah, yeah, it was a distance thing. Yeah, because I was able to get close up, as close as. The medium shot would allow me to be sure, which was a conversational, trusting distance. Yeah, yeah. Um, a picture of Robert Bork is really nice, even though that guy's crazy. The book? Yeah. yeah, I like that Bork, shot. The yeah, that was topical at the time. You know, you you were also around, like you mentioned, Maplethorpe. You shot Basquiat. You were around a lot of those '80s artists that were like big at the time. You were you were in that crew. Or at least around the same time as those those guys were. Yeah, no, I mean, Maplethorpe was already, he was really well known already. He was a handful, huh? Well, you know, I got stories, but. (laughs) No, I really liked Robert. He was really, I thought he was really nice, um, to me anyway. Yeah. And he always used to want to, he always used to want to buy my work, but I always was broke. So I did, I did, um, 
not trades with him. He always wanted to trade with me, but he wound up buying a few pieces of mine. Oh, you you could have you could have had some nice stuff here. I was a jerk, and even with Jean Michel, I should have, I could have bought stuff from him in a minute for next to nothing. For nothing, you'd be living high on the hog right now. I'd be living well. Yeah, I would be. <laughs> Pusky. I was really. I was. I was very stupid. Well, he's an example though of of where you you're fine with flaws. I mean, at the time, at least in the pictures that are in here. I mean, his skin's a mess. He was, you know, probably well, that's up and the down end on heroin. That's the end. That's his last two years. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, met him when he was really young. This stuff. I met him when he was like 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Maybe. And well, he jumping. only lived to be 27. I shot that when he was about 26. Oh, this was when he was 26? Yeah. Oh, man. He, uh, uh, what an interesting looking guy. Some people just sit in front of the camera and just have that thing, huh? Well, he was pretty brilliant. Yeah. You liked his paintings? Not at first. And that's why I didn't buy anything or like took it. I kind of, it wasn't dismissive. He came over to my loft. He showed me all of his work and had, he brought over a big portfolio and spread it out all over my loft. And he was trying to impress you. Yeah. He was wanted advice. What'd you tell him? I said, I told him what I'd learned in my, when I was working in my high school clothing store, organization and display. That's what I told him. I remember, organization and display. Do you think he took that to heart? Well, he certainly got organized and he got displayed a lot after that. But <laughs> he true. um he was um he was very shy. Yeah. You think that's where the drugs came in? I have no idea. I mean I didn't really know him that well. To know the inners, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is it, how about environmental portraits? You you went into a lot of offices, you shot Warhol that way. You shot uh, some of the boxers that way, right? Yeah, no, there, was, you always, done more there was always an opportunity to uh, stretch my repertoire. And, you know, some people would. And I, and I brought that to the table. I mean, there were times when I, in the beginning, when I made some mistakes. I, I used to like shooting. I wanted to, I wanted to photograph infrared. Okay. I remember I photographed, uh, <laughs> I remember Essence Magazine called me. They said, we want you to shoot uh, Arthur Ashe. I shot him on infrared, and he came out white. Yeah, I don't think that's exactly what Essence Magazine was looking for. And that was not... So you they, still have those negatives? I'm, I bet I do. And I think... Uh, so his wife, his wife was a photographer. Arthur Ashes. Yeah. Okay. And she shot the job after me. Oh, really? When you missed yeah. it? I'm, I, I've, hey, I've tried to be... Uh, I did a big shoot for Geo. One of the last shoots that they did before they closed up their New York office and went back to Germany, or at least just stayed in Germany. And I was photographing Native Americans. And the environments that were complementing them, I shot all in infrared. And it would have been a nice mix, to this infrared black and white and small insets yeah. versus the bigger portraits in black in color. Yeah. And But they never ran it. And But I, that was another time I just, I was able to use the um, infrared film did you ever shoot anything for a client that uh, you really liked, but the client said, no, this is unacceptable for whatever reason? I don't remember anything like that. No, not really. Any, any times you, uh, uh, I mean, you told me the story once of, of forgetting your camera on one of your shoots, but like. Early it, on. I, yeah. was, I was at 54. I was yeah. at Studio 54 you were the a night baby. before, and I was, had to get up early and drive to Stonington, Connecticut to photograph yeah. Sergio Franchi. I forgot my camera of all things. <laughs> really stupid. But he had a camera. He had an antique camera collection in a case. 
You're really lucky. And I and it was a Sunday, and there was no place I could rent a camera. Right. And we were like hours, you know, driving up north. So he had a camera that actually accepted two and a quarter film. It didn't have a sync to it. So we just we were able to use that by physically just using the B setting. Open the shutter, pop the flash. Yep. Yeah. So I got a, I got a few good ones. Yeah. The uh, uh, you told me a story once. If you don't mind recounting it of about Hillary Clinton. Oh, about you when I was, that one. When I was waiting for a husband. Yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for a husband for. I don't know, forty five minutes or something. This is what after he got elected, but before he went in. So yeah, it was, it was, it was late ninety two. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, was it December of ninety one? Does that it'd make be, sense? Uh, no, I guess ninety two would it'd be December of ninety two. He'd be ninety three, wasn't it? Wouldn't it have been? Okay, maybe. Yeah. yeah okay. No, it was just Hillary came by, and you were in Arkansas. I was in the, yeah the governor's mansion in Little Rock, and um. Waiting for them to give me the go-ahead to start setting up. Yeah. And I was just waiting and waiting. And then Hillary came over and she goes, okay, he's coming in like 15 minutes, so let's set up. So at the time, I, you know, I was, again, I was being a little stupid. I had the backdrop I had. I didn't have polecats. I would tape it on walls. And people just, were all right with you just gaff taping it to walls? Well, no, I don't think I, they were, but I I did it anyway, and I just it was just ease. It was just what I was familiar with. So I put the, I, I I was starting to hang this backdrop up, and I grabbed this old chair, and, you know, to to get the elevation to get the tape on the top of the backdrop, and and she came over and she reprimanded me. She goes, you know, that's. Uh, you know, that chair is from 1783, you know. And I looked down, I was on the chair, and I looked down, and I said, excuse me, aren't you two moving? Did she kinda, laugh, or did she? Yeah, uh... she really did laugh. <laughs> I wish I had photographed her then. I would have gotten her, but, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, you never got to shoot her. I didn't ask her. I mean, I, you know, I was there to do him, and there are times when, you know, even with Warhol, I shot him in the environment, but I would love to shoot him on the backdrop. I asked him during that shoot, which was for an ad, yeah, so I said, hey, you know, Andy, can I shoot you in the backdrop? You know, and it was like six months before he died. I never got it. Did he say yes and just he never said got yes, to it? I just never went back to do it. Yeah. I mean, but you, you shot Ford, you shot Nixon, you shot Carter, you shot Reagan, you shot Bush one, you shot Clinton, Bush two. I haven't gotten Obama yet, but did shoot Trump years and years ago. Yeah, twice uh, I shot Trump, one for a magazine cover that was a, a very uh, – Influential uh, magazine at the time called Manhattan Inc. Yeah, it was it was the celebrityization of businessmen. So that was the that was the, there were a few photographers they used all the time that that made that made uh, business people rock stars. And that's what you were supposed to do. That's what I that's what I was hired to do. Because yeah. he was not that big of a deal in 1980, whatever it was. I mean, no, he was, he he was, was a big developer in New York. Right? right, yeah, but he was known. Yeah. He was known already then, and he was... And you shot him with a bird. Shot him with a dove. He Is was, that your idea? Um, I don't remember if it was my idea or not, I have to be honest. I don't remember exactly, but it was um, you a get situation the where they he had offered his services as a peace negotiator between the Israelis and the Palestinians. So we thought, let's get a white, let's get a white dove. Oh, that's what that was all about. That's what that was about. But the whole article was more about controlling nuclear weapons and stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't so much about his being a peace negotiator, but he would obviously never became a peace negotiator. Uh, I don't think he's even a peace negotiator now. He's correct. <laughs> and uh, cover of the book, Miles Davis. Did you spend a lot of time with him? Well, he's at my place for probably three hours. He it's was. A, it's a good amount a lot of, time. of uh, Issei. It was for Issei, and he had he had brought over a few uh, a few attractive women models and uh, just hangers on. Yeah, and uh, Miles was pretty much he was a pretty much uh, he was after him. He was very um, gross. Really, he was he was obnoxious. He was really obnoxious. Towards you or just towards the women? To the girls. Yeah. Just, yeah. It was really like... Um, hot stuff. Kind of um, lecherous. Yeah, I can imagine. And he was an older man then. He was, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the... Uh, in a situation like that, he's there for three hours. How much do you shoot? Rolls and rolls and rolls? I have quite a bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, count-wise. Yeah. I mean, you change clothes, hang out a little bit. Did you have a hard time picking, choosing images? Um, I'll tell you, with him, it was ridiculous. He he was so easy to shoot in a way because he's so magical looking. Yeah, tons of good stuff. He looks, he's so intense and he's, that skin, I just love that color. It was so great, that black, black, black. Yeah. It, he was like a fantasy kind of model. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he just, and it, it was also everything about him, his whole aura. His whole temperament, his whole way of being, his whole way of speaking, you know, just, you know, unusual. Well, he was, yeah, he was unique, he, truly unique. His, you know, his, and, but yet at the same time, you know, here's this genius and he's groping these girls like he's some, you know, 18 year old on some, you know, field trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of gross. It made me, it made me realize that, you know, People developed, they developed different, in different ways at different times and different speeds. Yeah. And, you know, as much as he was a musical genius, he certainly turned me off as a person. That well, day. and he had all the drug problems and all that going on. Yeah, but it was just more of his disrespect for the women. Yeah. The, uh, but then towards the end of the shoot, you hand your... In this case, I'm not saying he was... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, towards the end of the shoot, you hand your uh, your baby daughter to him, and there's a famous picture of him holding she your daughter. She was three weeks old. <laughs> was that at the end? That was at the end. Because I, I had taken a lot of pictures of Haley when she was a, a youngster with yeah. people, whether yeah. it be Herb Alpert or Daryl Strawberry. Tiny little white baby being held by Keith beautiful Herring. black man, yeah. You know, um, so there were a lot of... I, I did it about maybe ten times. And... Uh, yeah, that one. That one came out pretty great. You know, Haley was like, "Does he like children?" What years later? Yeah, <laughs> it was like you know, it was like he was saving. It was either that he was really being strange, or he was a savior and saving Haley from the fire, right? From yeah. the burning fire, or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, you have a favorite image you've taken of all time? Is no, I got my. I have favorites. Yeah, like the Aboriginal guy Roy, and the Miles one I like. Um, Elie saw with his crazy hair. I like. The, I guess the Jagger shoot. There's a few good pictures of Jagger I like. That's a guy you don't need to turn on. 
Uh, he was fine. He gets in front of there. What do you want me to do? Be Mick Jagger? Okay, I know how to do that. Yeah, that was that was definitely easy. <laughs> that was not a tough shoot. Yeah. So uh, when you start doing more, you do a lot of street stuff too. I have become. I have done a lot of street stuff in the last ten years. Yeah. What's what's what what's the draw? Something from going so formal to something really informal. Well, you know, first of all. Work kind of contracted anyway, 10 years ago at least, if not more. Right. But I still enjoyed the traveling, and I still enjoyed shooting. So I just started perfecting, you know, the composition of doing some environmental stuff, which, you know, has a little, some sometimes a little quirky edge to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I like Walker Evans, so a little formality to it. Um, I liked Arbus, so sometimes there's... A hint of that in there. Not much, but a little bit. Yeah. You like that stuff warm, too. Even the stuff you shoot on your phone, you use that little app to have it warmer. I like, you know, I definitely definitely go for a warmer tone. Because accuracy is is boring or it doesn't have the same intimacy? What, what's what's the draw of the, of the warmth? I think you hit it the first time. Accuracy is boring. Yeah. No, you got you to put some veneer to it, in my opinion, just to keep to keep it uh, interested. Yeah, this is a. Uh, I mean, this is going to be great when this is uh, when this is out. What do you got? Three three weeks? You said late September. September twenty fifth. All right. This is what uh, two hundred pages, two hundred plus pages, two hundred and sixteen pages. This is uh, what? How how big? What size is this thing? Eleven and a half by twelve and a half. I think is, is that same. a standard size? Not really. I mean, I, but they'll make whatever you want to make. Yeah. Do you have a hard time choosing the stuff in the book? Well, not really, except I, you know, I didn't, I really would prefer to just have the first book. My preference is to just do an ethnographic book. Sure. Because those are my favorite pictures. The celebrities, okay. Eh, but I got enough feedback from people that say, you got to do the celebrity book first. So what was, uh, we we opted for a bit of a compromise. There's, yeah, there's, there's a fair amount of uh, celebrities in there, but there's also a dash of, these kids are great. Of the uh, page one fifty four here, if anybody. Gets yeah, the uh, Chaco. Oh, is that where they are? Yeah, from Panama. So I have to, um, I you know, there's a there's a bit of a mix. It flows well. Yeah. Um, the next book will be the ethnic only. Man, Yo Yo Ma, what a cool guy! You see, yesterday's shot of him. No, he had him. He shot him too. David did. Oh, did he? I didn't yeah. see it yesterday. Yeah. yeah, what he just he just looks he just seems like a sweetheart, you know? <laughs> or Rose. Uh so what's so what's next? You gonna you gonna uh start shooting some more portraits down here? I don't know yet. I don't know. Are you indecisive or is it uh Yeah, I'm kind of for the first time in my entire career slash life taking a major break and just Trying to, you know, not lose my sense of observation, but just not feel like I need to have a camera with me all the time. It's a good, good. Uh, it's a good career you've had. I'll take it. Do you feel like this is a this is a culmination of everything you've done so far? Well, no, I think it's just a culmination of some stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of people I don't have in the book that I wish I were in there. Yeah. But um, you made the oh, look at that little girl in the back. Uh, this must have been hard making decisions. 
No, it wasn't. Really? It wasn't hard to do in the book. I think it was stylistically. I was having some disputes with my designer, um, stylistic ones, but I prevailed mostly just because it's my book. Yeah. But he, he didn't want the black borders in. Which is crazy. Why would he not want the black borders in? Black borders are, are, are one of your, uh, your touchstones. Well, I thought so, and I'm definitely glad that I put my foot down. Yeah. He wanted them all like that, full bleed? No, just even when they were not. They In were, set with no, with no borders. Yeah, I mean, there, and there are a few like that. There's enough black borders. I'm not, you know, I think it's enough. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it the fact that up. they are in all black borders also, in some cases, help with the flow. Uh, anybody you always wanted to shoot that you never got around to it? Michael Jackson. Interesting. Was there ever an opportunity? No, never. Not. Not. Man, Michael Jackson would have been a crazy get. I mean, Madonna maybe, but not really. I don't really care. I mean, I, Michael Jackson would have been really cool. Yeah, that would have been good. And Obama. I'd like to shoot Obama. Yeah, you got to complete the collection. Yeah. And now I'm luxuriating. It's good. You'd like relaxing. In beautiful New Mexico. You uh, you're on Instagram. Was it W Coupon on Instagram? I think it's William Coupon. Is it okay? You don't do Twitter. No. So it's really Instagram. You want people to see you? Yeah. Well, most more Facebook really. All right. I post more stuff on there. All right. People will find you on there. Think you said everything you need to say? I did. I'm a wreck. All right. Well, let's go get some uh, someone. Let's go to town. All right. Go. Thank you. Thank you.